It's time to rock and roll! This is this is Monday morning. It's April 4th? 3rd? It's April... April 3rd? 3rd. Thank you, Gene. It's April 3rd. Hello. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Waffle Press Movie Hangouts. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me today is my co-host, Gina Versa. Hey, how's it going? We have planes flying overhead, I think, oh, but that's yeah. okay. It I'm happens. Living, living by the Burbank airport. Maybe yeah. if uh, Gene had shut his goddamn window, then uh, <laughs> this wouldn't be uh, happening. I did. <laughs> no, it just, shut it oh, again. Shut it harder. <laughs> Dude, oh. you got to you gotta get the soundproof panels, you know? Mm. I'm going to show up at your front door and be like, I got you this on Amazon. Oh, thanks. Uh, soundproofing panels should sponsor our episodes, but... You know who should never have to sponsor our episodes because they're too busy being a fantastic writer, creative person, man, is our guest today, Michael Hubble. Hubble? I'm sorry. I never learned how to pronounce your last name. It's Hubble, but that's Hubel. okay. Okay, right. Hubble. Well, now I'll never forget it because that was incredibly embarrassing. How are you? Tell us about yourself. What's going on in the world of, of, of Michael Hubel? Um not not much is going on really i'm working on a couple scripts a couple projects and uh then working for money doing non not very creative stuff at all but such as such as life as the struggling la creative yeah feel that yeah uh, <laughs> i just i just want to the three of us I, are like ah oh, damn it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no because I, I think it's important too because i mean obviously we're not very high profile we're not or arguably not profile at all um which is like i think just a normal way for an artist to live you know i think we're kind of de-romanticizing it but i i know i don't mean to say that to be nihilistic or anything like that or cynical just like you know it's like a normal thing it's like it's a job like any other job. Like we all have our passions and like our beliefs about it, but like, you know, we that's that's separate from like the reality of the world. And that's, that's like okay. We still I know you're a very passionate guy. We've had very passionate conversations about a lot of different movie-related stuff. And I think we're gonna get very passionate today talking about both John Wick 4 and the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Oh uh, yeah. How did we meet? Do you remember that? Uh Twitter. Twitter, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I think half our guests are from Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Twitter's Twitter's uh, is currently dying, but used to be a fun, wonderful haven of bullshit, and it's still really a haven good. of bullshit. But the bullshit that it's a haven of is becoming more and more crypto scams, and yeah, and uh, you know, shit like that, and less fun, mm -hmm. weird film shit. Yeah, but we still it's have our life. people. It's still fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're I think we're we're our people. We are we are our people. We are mm -hmm. each other's people. There you go. That sounds better. Yeah. yeah, we are each other's people. We all get along. We all shoot the shit. Um I, I wanna just start diving in because you're you're a big is it safe to say you're a big fantasy like guy, right? Like fantasy genre oh, guy. Hundred percent. Yeah. Which is why we totally wanted you on the Dungeons and Dragons episode. Uh, because you also play Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. I do not. Gene does. Yeah. No, I'm like casually, casual fan. Hell yeah. Yeah, I definitely, yeah. I uh, I started playing, I don't know, a couple of years ago because it was just always something that seemed like a fun thing to do. And one of my friends was like, would you like to join my campaign? I was like, there's <laughs> nothing more I would rather do right now. Yeah. So a couple of years later, 
Now I'm an, an avid D and D fan and also got into D and D before stranger things made it blow up. Oh. So now I, I, I've got that nice sense of superiority. Like, Ooh, <laughs> I was into D and D before it got cool again from being a niche, like nerdy thing. I guess it's still a niche nerdy thing, but yeah, such is life. That's true. That's true. But yeah, it's, it's, I it, yeah. I mean, it definitely is like niche and nerdy, but I feel like we're kind of in this weird spot on the internet where a bunch of different things are kind of becoming like, like there's no homogenized, like one ultimate popular thing, you know, like even like the Marvel stuff, like whatever feelings people have about them, we don't have to get into it, but like, yeah, they, um, they're, they're getting more niche, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like not everyone saw and liked the last one that came out or the one before that, like now it's becoming a thing and I think that maybe the most popular thing right now is like Avatar and John Wick 4. Yeah. <laughs> Just because like Feels those good. are the ones that keep the cultural conversation going more than a week. Um, and we'll we'll talk about one of those at least today. Uh, but like how how do I get involved with the D? Because I've always been interested. I love fantasy stuff. Uh obviously a lot of creatives are really into it because they say it's like, you know, it's it's your you're kind of you're making a, a big series of, of stories, you know, you're, you're telling one long story, but it's just kind of like, it's looser and you're in some ways making it up as you go along, which sometimes people don't want to hear this, but a lot of other writers make it up as they go along too. And that's okay because you never know what's going to happen. And maybe, mm-hmm. you know, art doesn't come together perfectly and that's okay. But yeah, um, yeah. that's what I get from it, from like afar, watching D and D from afar, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's all of that. And also it's just like, I mean, yeah, I think it is like a fun creative tool and a fun creative outlet, but it's also just like a great way to hang out with your friends. And like one of the ways it really started for us was when I moved to the West Coast, I had a lot of friends still on the East Coast. So one of the ways that we like kept together as a friend group was hopping on Discord and playing like virtual D&D through like Roll20 or one of those websites like that. So if you're like... it's it's kind of one of those things where it's like if you have a group of people or if you have friends who already play it like i don't know maybe gene and michael who are on this podcast Mm -hmm. then you start like subtly dropping hints here and there you're like oh i'd love to uh, be a guest character on the campaign or you know such and such and then and then you insidiously insert yourself and become a mainstay in the campaign Uh. i i totally did this to one of my friends in new york (laughs) he was like I'd like I'd like help testing this homebrewed system for battle. Could you come in for a couple sessions? I was like, sure, just a couple sessions, and then, <laughs> you know, a month later, I was a a serious regular. So, oh. you just interesting. Uh, you got a sneak attack. Yeah, it's like a it's like TV being on TV as a guest star. Mm-hmm. You're like, yeah, uh, you want that recurring role. Yeah. Except in this one, you don't get paid at all, so it's even better. <laughs> oh yeah, get, yeah. Get paid in fun. <laughs> Right. I was gonna say, could be like and I, friendship. friendship. Yeah, yeah. I, I could be like the Urkel to someone's D and D campaign. <laughs> I just hijack the show and make it, you know, the Urkel show. Yeah, make it the Urkel family show. matters. Yeah, who doesn't like family matters, and who doesn't love family matters when Urkel comes on board? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. What What do you guys usually play as? I know there's different classes and stuff. Uh, I. I know Paladin, and I only know yeah. that because I was an avid Warcraft player for a long mm-hmm. time, and I know that's like a carryover from there. So, like, uh, oh, Michael, as the guest, like, what do you play as right now if you're in a campaign? Um, 
I'm currently playing as. Oh shit! We just started a new one. I'm playing a ranger in that oh, one. Oh, nice. Um, and then in my other campaign, I am a druid. So I guess the common theme here being woodsy, naturey type folk, um, far from civilization. I don't know. I just always gravitate towards that shit. I have yeah. played a paladin. That one of my favorite characters I've ever played was a paladin, but like not the not the righteous like do gooding sort of paladin. He was like like the the anti paladin. So he's more of a stern badass uh, rule breaking bad boy. Which I mean, just is me to a T. So that's why nice. it was such a fun character to play. Gene, what about you? Uh, I usually just go as a paladin. Yeah. Oh. A lot of yeah. paladin talk here. Everybody yeah, that was not intentional. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This episode sponsored by the paladin class. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just think they're neat. I don't know. It just kind of appeals to me. I think like if I was trying to play as like a um, more like a any other character, like you know, use more magic. I think I would get like confused. I guess there's yeah. a lot of uh, there's a lot of rules when you get deep into the deep into War. the source books yeah there's yeah. like all these different this costs an action and this is a bonus action and this is a reaction but it's a free reaction if you're you know such and such other characters cast this on you and you're like oh shit how many dice am i rolling right now it's it pretty <laughs> uh gets pretty twisted yeah 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 i don't know yeah it's a little less complicated just as a paladin um i feel like i i because i have like some of the books and like i've casually read it but i'm like and like i think i would just be just like terrible as these characters i just like get confused or like mess up the game or like i don't know just i haven't read like read read all the books you know so it's just kind of like yeah that's that's just on me i guess <laughs> so well we... i mean the oh go ahead no no, no. you go ahead because I, I got a, a bigger question that's gonna segue us later oh okay yeah. i was gonna say the fun part of of D&D in the internet age is anytime you don't know something, you can just quickly like do a little Google chat and it's like, oh, this is how grappling works. And like, hmm. like I DM and I don't, I haven't read all the source books cover to cover. I just like, you know, you kind of make it up as you go along. And also the rules don't have to be followed exactly because the most important thing is having fun and doing cool shit. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you got to have some structure to it and have like some overarching shit, but it's yeah. like, eh. Everything, everything is made to be, you know, a little loosey goosey. Yeah, so rules are meant to be broken. <laughs> yeah, that's why Michael was the the anti paladin paladin. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, do I have to be a do gooder? No, 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 no. I will have broken my oath, and uh, and now I'm on a quest for maybe redemption, maybe just to get more evil. Yeah, it's tough to say. Yeah. I don't want to spoil how it turned out. Oh, oh, okay, exciting. Um, this is is this one of those ones that was like live streamed online campaigns or is no. it just like you and buddies? I've never done one of those actually. Uh, okay. I thought that would be kind of fun, but then it's also like then everybody's doing a thing, you know, because they're just like oh, I can't like you know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's the thing for me. Like it sounds super fun, but it's like you know doing a podcast is fun. I don't I don't think we're like the best at it. I I, I do think <laughs> yeah. we're I do think we're good at it. Like I sure. I, I don't think we're we lack quality, but like. You know, everyone yeah. thinks like, oh, I'll just do a podcast. It's about what? I just want to do it. And it's like, well, it doesn't it doesn't mean it's going to be worth listening to. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's like fine. Okay, you figure that out. Maybe you could find an angle or whatever, or you just have a distinctive voice. Uh, but, you know, you can't just like 
getting into it because it sounds exciting as like yeah exciting as that sounds even but um and there's know. so many of those actual play podcasts out there i'm like uh let's not enter the fray here there's yeah a lot of people doing it way better and i'm fine just doing it with my friends mm-hmm. yeah you know another formerly niche thing is like star wars that'd be like starting another star wars youtube channel you know what i mean like yeah you're not gonna you're not making it into that like you're not gonna break through that unfortunately and it's not your yeah. fault it's just that's mm-hmm. the, the table's been set and uh the dining area is full you know mm-hmm. um but speaking of dining areas i don't know i was trying to segue for dungeons and dragons um how would i like get started right now would i just be like hey let's let's play a game right now let's drop the rest of the podcast gene michael diego what do i gotta do yeah tell us uh well this gets back to like yeah finding finding some friends who play it but there is normally like prep that's involved mm-hmm. uh specifically on the part of the dungeon master because they have to like set up a campaign pick what the world's gonna be like whether it's gonna be like a pre-written D adventure which are in the books and stuff and that like really guides you but even then you know you can never account for what the players are gonna do so even if in the book it's like oh if the player's if the party does this, you know, take this route, kind of like a choose your own adventure book. And you can like follow to like which branching path you could take. You can't account for what all your dumbass friends are going to do. If you give, if you yeah. like spoon feed them a quest and you're like, here's what we need to do. Here's where all the treasure is. And they're like, but there's a boat right there. And if we steal it, kill the guards and take it down the river, what's down there. So you just have to be like, okay, yeah. Roll to steal the boat and kill the guards and, and, make it up on the fly as you go so there is prep that needs to be done by the dungeon master there's prep that needs to be done by the player characters especially at the start of a campaign you've got to like figure out what class of character you are what your alignment is your backstory all that kind of shit and honestly setting up the character sheet takes like a good like hour or two hours if especially if you're not familiar with it so there's a lot of prep that goes into the start of a campaign and then to keep a campaign running also involves a lot of prep and investment prep from the DM to make a session on a regular, you know, regular schedule to like keep the story moving along and then investment from the characters, like all the players to like set time in their schedule too. And, and if everybody kind of like makes it somewhat of a priority, I mean, we all have real lives that are far more important than, yeah. you know, hopping into a game. But, no, they're not. No, they're not. Not mine. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Never mind. You're perfect for D and D. Yeah. But if everybody like makes it at least somewhat of a priority and and can work together to create a schedule and stuff, then the regularity and the you know everybody kind of like having the the a- agreement of of disbelief to like let everybody you know feel comfortable doing role play or doing an accent and you know doing all this stuff, then awesome. everybody nice. enters that kind of. Sp- kind of sphere and puts that investment in and that's what makes a good campaign i think or that's what what can keep it afloat a lot of them fizzle out after like one or two sessions the number of campaigns i've been in where they were like oh we're gonna start a new group and like two sessions later (laughs) oh i'm i'm away this weekend oh my brother's got a wedding oh and then like it just completely fizzles out so the trick is to find people who are like actually gonna stick with it yeah, their their fifth grandma dies or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wait a second, you only yeah. I thought you only had six. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
I don't know. It, it's super exciting. Like, I'm not going to lie. For me, it, it is partly intimidating. And maybe it's another part of me is like has trust issues because of stuff like that, where I'm like, is everyone going to like commit to this? Mm. I don't know. But yeah. um, I don't know. I, I've definitely had a lot of like admiration and respect for, for D&D and like especially people that have continued playing it for such a long period of time. Another friend of the show, uh, Noah Garcia, Gene and I know, mm. uh, who will be coming on the podcast late May or early June. We're going to do a wrap up on the CW Arrowverse shows because we're at the end of an era. We're going to talk about that. But he's an avid DVD player too. Uh, D D and D player. Yeah. I'm all over the Not place DVD. today. I don't yeah. know what the hell. That's all good. It's all <laughs> he's good. He's an avid D and D player, and um, yeah, he's he's spoken very highly of it. He's he's told me all about like campaigns he's done and like DM'd, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds fantastic. They sound like stories I'd want to like read or watch on TV, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just I'm pretty it's sure that some cool. fantasy like has been instigated by just like groups of friends playing D and then somebody like I think that. I'm I'm speaking out my ass here, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that like one of the big popular, I think it was called Dragonlance, like a big fantasy series from like the 90s, early 2000s was started from like a D&D campaign. And then somebody was like, I'm just going to write this down and made like a best selling <laughs> fantasy series. So, I, I mean, I, I think that shit happens. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's like, uh, was, was it Fifty Shades of Grey started out as a Twilight fan fiction? It actually started out as a D&D game. <laughs> <laughs> Roll for seduction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that, oh, wow. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, uh, sorry. Just, no, 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 no. I, I welcome it. Um, But speaking of D&D, let's just talk about the movie. As D&D players, how did you two feel about this movie? We, we don't have to get into any, uh, like, direct spoilers immediately. Just give a, a normal response, like, Coming out of the theater, how did you feel? Well, um, I, I saw like an early screening of it um, about like two weeks ago. And it was, um, yeah, no, it was like, I was really happy with it. Um, it was a lot of enthousi- enthusiastic fans. Um, it was at the AMC Burbank. And yeah, they were they were doing like a early screening. I got interviewed for, for some reason, which was cool. Um, I don't know, maybe you'll see it on a, on a commercial but um yeah no it's like the excitement being around the fans um certain easter eggs were making the crowd excited but yeah i was i was really happy with it i thought it was really cool it felt like a cool like one shot so yeah it was like yeah i really enjoyed it i did too i thought it was um i thought it was like a, a lot of fun it's like one of the most fun movie going experiences i've had in a while in part, yeah, the the crowd was infectious. There were people dressed up with like yeah, like loots and and armor and shit. I was like, all right, all right, we're we're going hard for this. Um, but it also, I I thought something that it did well and captured well was just kind of like the ridiculous fun bullshit of it. Because if they tried to make a like a D and D movie in the style of like Game of Thrones or Rings of Power, one of these other you know, like kind of grim dark fantasy series it would really be missing what makes D so much fun which is all your friends being dumbasses together around the table and like this movie got the friends being dumbasses together around the table and still had like the poignant moments and the the moments of really cool epic stuff you can only really do in a fantasy world but it didn't forget about the core of what makes D fun which is like just being able to do silly shit 
And I think I think that's what makes the movie really shine and stand mm. out from other fantasy offerings that have been out in recent years. Yeah, no, that was cool. Like all the humor and like just the fact it didn't take itself so seriously. Because I, I think like that was a problem with the other movies too, right? Like that 2000s one. I don't think I've ever like sat through that all the way through, but I just remember it's like I so... Haven't. Oh, yeah. It's like so like dark and foreboding and I don't know. Yeah, D&D is supposed to be fun, right? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that that movie feels like it had a lot of issues, not yeah. just related to D&D. Um, I had don't, Jeremy Irons in it. Yeah, it did. It's like, you know, it's it's an interesting artifact. I, I can't really recommend it, you know, but mm. it's like, man, they used to just make, like, bad movies used to look like this. Now bad <laughs> movies look like some this. other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not this movie. I did like this movie, but yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll hold on to that. I'll let you okay. guys go for a while. Of course. Um, uh, before we get more into D&D stuff, are you both familiar with uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein's other works? Uh, I know they're really popular from Game Night, especially. Game Night. Yeah. You guys saw Game Night? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw Game Night. Yeah. They wrote Spider-Man. They wrote, the they wrote Homecoming. One. They wrote the, the best first, one. Uh, the first the best couple one. of Homecoming. Uh, yes, that is the best Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, we're not taking questions at this time because there doesn't need to be. Um, uh-huh. I would have liked to have seen what they'd done with other sequels to that, but whatever. We'll um, never know. It's fine. Um, yeah, I when I heard that they were doing Dungeons and Dragons, I was I was interested. And then I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't super interested as those first trailers came out. Um, okay. And then word of mouth got very good after South by Southwest, and it was mm-hmm. like, of course I shouldn't have doubted these guys did game night, you know? You have little faith. Yeah, I remember I was at a. Oh yeah, I was out South by Southwest when like they were screening it. So yeah, I heard a lot of good stuff coming out and. Yeah, I don't know if like the trailer. I I don't know if like any of. I don't remember any of the trailers in particular. I remember they used the Led Zeppelin song "Whole Lot of Love," which was. I don't know how you feel about that, Michael, but it's like I, I, I don't know if it's like a trope, but it is cool that they use like Zeppelin in every like fantasy trailer now, right? What you know, I hadn't put that together as as a common theme, but um, who doesn't like Zeppelin? Yeah, because it's in like the King Arthur movie. Uh, King Arthur used... Legend of the Sword Legend of the Sword mm-hmm. yeah Oh Diego and I's favorite movie of all mm-hmm. time Yes How did I not movie, yeah. know that Zeppelin was in that yeah. I'm due for a rewatch yeah. Yeah. It's it's to be fair it's in the trailers it's in the trailers it's in the trailer, yeah oh, okay. and, but um I guess yes. Thor <laughs> Oh yeah Thor, yeah, Thor yeah, used it too Yeah Are we so. counting Thor's fantasy uh, More or less yeah uh, Thor Ragnarok I would mm-hmm. I would consider science like like fiction yeah, fantasy sure. like uh like it's more i don't know it's more guardians of the galaxy you know it's like it's not there's like the first two thors i would consider fantasy like take them or leave those movies like i think those are trying to be fantasy now the thor is like thor guardians of the galaxy with uh some other star wars inspires a flash yeah. Gordon. it's flash Gordon. Yeah, i wouldn't consider flash like, Gordon like fantasy you know what i mean yeah uh yeah true yeah very flash gordon-y but yeah it's cool when they use zeppelin so there you go yeah i mean i mean that's probably why they use it they're like we don't know how to sell this movie and like that was my big concern because it felt like a studio that didn't know how to sell the movie and then you watch mm. the movie and you're just like like D stuff aside it's just like no this is just like a pretty fun like adventure movie this shouldn't have been that hard to like figure out you know? yeah. like we've had fun adventure movies mm-hmm. you know um i yeah i really liked it um 
and I I love seeing Chris Pine pop up and stuff mm-hmm. again. He's good. Yeah, he's the feel, best felt, Chris. Uh, yeah, he's the best Chris. I, I felt like he was kind of going away for a second, not like right. out of out of any nefarious yeah. reasoning or something no, like that. No, no. Like uh, also too, like I don't know, like maybe like the projects he's on are like cursed. Because have you heard him like talk about like Star Trek Four? He's just like they keep asking, when is when is it going to happen? He's like, I have no idea. It's like yeah. I I don't know. Like they keep changing people and stories and. It's like he's just like it'll come out whenever it's maybe it's cursed. <laughs> Wait, did they already make it? It's no. just sitting in post. Oh, okay. no, 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 they they haven't even finished the scripts. They haven't finished the oh, script. Okay. They're like yeah. committed to a creative team or decision. So yeah, well maybe it'll never see the light of day. <laughs> yeah. But well, you Chris Pine's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, good. I thought he like he was he was a, an awesome um, like lead for this movie. I thought he really carried it mm-hmm. i also uh, thought he was in a bit of a drought because i saw did you guys see outlaw king the netflix did. yeah like oh, historical yeah. yeah i was like really excited to see that and like watch it and then i was like hmm <laughs> didn't, <Yeah. laughs> didn't really do much for me as far as like swords and sandals kind of shit which i'm yeah. all about but uh but this one this one really uh this one was really good yeah yeah, no, it was, it was good. Yeah, I just I loved all the characters, the cast, and everything. Like, you know, the, like all the little like, um, I guess like Easter eggs too. I'm not sure if anyone caught it. Where uh, a friend of our shows, uh, Rob Godinas, who loved the uh, Saturday morning D- Dungeons and Dragons show, and he's like told me about it, and I've like watched a few episodes. But when they're in like the maze and everything at the very end, they have like cameos from the characters from the cartoon show. So they're just as like the Viking, the wizard, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I did actually yeah, I, hear about that. Yeah, yeah. I, never... I saw like a little like clickbait kind of article about it, but I never watched that. So I was like, ah, nice, a fun, fun little shout out, but it didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, hope, I hope I hope they didn't die. Because <laughs> <laughs> like you never see them after they go, like in the cage. <laughs> they killed the beloved cast. Some... Of I've Saturday got a suspicion that they they did in fact not survive <laughs> just based on everything else we uh, saw. But, you know. Uh, yeah. Um. I, I guess we'll we'll just do open spoiler discussion yeah. too for this one. Um. So we, we'd all recommend it. I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I do think it's a really good time. Uh. Another friend of the show, PJ Campbell, and I were having a conversation about it. And he really really liked it too. Um. He went as far to say that he felt it was like one of the more accessible like standalone like blockbusters he's seen mm-hmm. in a long time um because we don't really get those a lot like obviously they they want this to be a franchise there's right. enough for it to be like uh to have a sequel i would i would see a sequel i would see two more sequels do the trilogy you know mm-hmm. um but I, I hadn't really thought about that and i was like you know we don't we just don't really get a lot of those types of movies anymore yeah um so i i would i would say it's it's like a yeah, it is one of the better standalone blockbusters out there right now. Or like, if this was it, and I don't want it to be, like, I'd be fine. I can go back and revisit this. Um, I I have some minor qualms, nothing like game breaking or anything right. like that. Um, I thought this was a less expensive movie than it was. Uh, I felt it, it. It felt like a little smaller budget movie than it was, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if that's the the directors getting a, a much larger budget than they've ever had, or if it's the studio penny pinching. 
Yeah. Sometimes it can be that, you know, sometimes it's not the people behind the camera. It's the people in the suits. Yeah. Um, this, the finale felt a little small after the mm. maze thing. I was like, oh, this movie's going to go like huge at the end. Yeah. We're going to have these zombie army and stuff like that. And it's like, it's kind of like a brawl and like, a in like a market space and it's yeah. like good like the action is good everything about that right. is is perfectly solid mm-hmm. fun entertainment and it's very the action is very well directed in this in yeah. the back half especially um but i was like oh all right we're <laughs> we're just this this is it okay like i was yeah. fine with that but i was like you know it, it felt like it could have went bigger in certain areas for sure um yeah we don't know like the production history or what went down but it definitely could have but yeah, it's like, it's just interesting that like, yeah, it just kind of ended. They just started like wailing on the, what was her name? Like the, the witch. God. Uh, it starts with an S. Yeah. yeah. Just, okay. Well, Sabrina, she was, she was like a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or I guess like the main daddy whose name escapes me, but yeah, they just start like looking like just going to town on her. They pull like a Hulk. They copy the Hulk from Avengers, just fucking like slamming her down on the floor. Yeah, like it, it's just straight up that scene from the first yeah. Avengers. Which is whatever. It's, it's funny. Fine. Yeah. It's funny. I don't know. It still works. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I. I, I yeah. I just had the, that thought. I guess. That's a. Uh, yeah. I guess I'm. I'm curious to hear since you don't have any connection to, or like you haven't played a bunch of D and D. So like when they say like the names of cities and shit like that's not gonna like mean much to you at all but like you said you found it very accessible as a as a blockbuster to come in and just watch raw dog in it as it were <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i really did and um it's really refreshing because like yeah. if, you, if, if anyone's listened to the podcast they know my big problem is like i don't i don't care how good your movie is if you're like you're getting the real story next time i'm like i'm fucking out yeah like i'm cause... never gonna watch this again and this one I got a whole story, mm-hmm. beginning, well, a middle, and an end. Yeah, I, I was gonna say too, like compared to, and uh, you know, I hate to like bat, you know, like uh, trash talk like Marvel or something, which not like compared to like you know like a Marvel movie where they're like referencing like stuff or there's like end credits, um, you know, like stuff where they're just like in the in this movie where they're just like you know uh mentioning like towns or stuff from like the books or like other campaigns it's like it's not like the movie stops and you have to like look something up or you know whatever it's just like oh okay it's just hitting at a larger world where it's like i just think of and i love that movie uh multiverse of madness for dr strange but the end credit scene where it's like clea just comes out and just like appears doesn't say who she is and then it's just like just ends you're like what you know i mean it is an end credit scene but um there was like a really funny tweet that i saw um our friend kirk showed me where it's like some of the end credit scenes are like um it's like trying to remember the tweets like oh there it's like they're like here's borco and it's like who's borco and it's like you don't know who borco is and it's like that's a long-running character (laughs) but it's like every end you know all the the marvel like references and stuff i feel like every every scene's like borco you know, Borco appears, and I'm like a comic fan, but I'm, you know, I'm like, how is it, how does the general audience think about yeah. like who Harkalees is or like Clea, you know? So I appreciate Dungeons and Dragons being, uh, like Bennett, like uh, really approachable for the casual fan or the general audience, you know? Yeah, and in terms of like, um, like the names of people, places, spells, whatever, Michael, like it really, uh, 
this is not tonally similar to Lord of the Rings, but like I kind of have the same vibe where it's like, you know, uh, Gandalf's on the bridge fighting the Balrog. And it's like they're they're throwing out concepts at me in that movie that like to date I still don't know because I'm not a Tolkien nerd. Like I haven't done a deep dive in anything. Mm-hmm. But he's like, oh, like Flame of Isildur. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that is. But like I yeah. get them in the moment this is important and they know what it is. So I'm like, I'm cool with that. You know, yeah. it's not just like a bunch of random shit for for yeah. nerds to point at. And I think Though. Dungeons and Dragons kind of has like this um this sort of like iron ironic snark for some of its characters, right? And mm-hmm. so, like, that can kind of be off-putting, and it's like, maybe none of this is serious enough yeah. at times. But it also makes it, like, a character flaw for characters like Chris Pine or... Um, uh, Michelle Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez. Well, yeah. she she doesn't, she doesn't have the snark. She's just, like, she's just grumpy all the time. Yes. Um, I love, yeah. Her character is great. I loved her. I liked the, her, too. Uh, Justice the, Smith, though, is the other one I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah, he like, was good. The, the down-as-luck wizard who has no self-confidence. It's like... <laughs> Okay, you've attributed those traits to specific characters, and they never overlap. And it's like, I understand this should be basic writing 101, but Mm -hmm. the fact that it's, like, so rare in a big movie like this is, like, really refreshing still. Yeah, he was good. He's good in uh, Detective Pikachu. I want to see him in more stuff. He's good in everything. It's it's not his fault that movie was bad. but With Detective Pikachu? Yeah. That's a boring movie. I'm sorry. Uh, I love Pokemon. I should not uh, have fallen asleep during that. There's there's not like any battling. There's like one <laughs> one kind of Pokemon yeah. battle, and then there, I was like, "Well, it's a detective." The whole movie. game is is battling shit. Like you're it's, you're telling me a detective. detective can't do some battling? Yeah, I've seen both Sherlock Holmes and Sherlock get, Holmes Game guys, of Shadows. Yeah, yeah. it does hell of battling. <laughs> You guys are just mad it didn't have that Danny DeVito voice for Pikachu. I want well, Pikachu I am mad at that too. Moriarty at the top of a waterfall. Yeah. That's what right. I want. Yeah. Like Guy Ritchie's Detective ball. Pikachu would oh, have gone so hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't even, don't even. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it I know. hurts. It hurts too much that that's not what we got. Mm-hmm. Um, tragic. In terms of the uh, accessibility and like all the specifics, all the Easter egg shit, like we were talking about. I think yeah. that, that was actually something when we came out, because I went with like all my, my D&D friends, like nice. the whole the whole, um, the party, whole party. we're currently playing with, we all went together as like a fun, like, oh, we'll go watch this. And coming out, you said this is full spoilers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah go, yeah. Okay. go wild. Go, go so coming out, and Gene, since you've played, you'll probably understand these frustrations. Like one of the things I came out, I was like, well, how the how the hell did the bard, one of the most powerful spellcasting classes, like why is his only like he's got a melee loot attack and that's like his only like I was yeah. like bards are like one of the most powerful spellcasters in D and D and why is the druid only wild shaping? Why isn't she casting spells too? And and um, Skylar was actually like, well, it's probably to like help it be a little more accessible for audiences because mm-hmm. you know if everybody's shooting off magic, then that takes away from what makes the sorcerer like a unique character so she was like i think it's to like help the general audiences it's like yes we know that bards should be able to cast spells but he's more of like a he's just like the charismatic front man and like for the purpose of the movie that helps him differentiate from the sorcerer and -hmm. from the druid like her thing is that she can become animals and like will save magic just for um for justice smith and so on and so forth yeah i thought that was like a really solid explanation and what you know it that like easily solved my qualms with that because just like anything else it's like when i watch the lord of the rings movies i don't sit there and go well in the book 
uh, Treebeard actually had such and such. Because I'm like, it's an adaptation, and it makes it, you know, accessible for yeah. the cinematic world, and and we all accept that that happens when it goes from a book to a movie, or from yeah. you know, from a comic to a movie. Exactly. So why shouldn't we give something like a tabletop game the same yeah. grace? Yeah. No, you're exactly right. That's a good, uh, you know. Uh, analogy with uh, Lotor as well, unless uh, unless you're the Tolkien estate, which would venomly disagree with you. <laughs> they did not I think like they this. vehemently disagree with a lot of stuff, <laughs> including uh, <laughs> the Rings of Power. I don't know if you guys did a Rings of Power episode, but I'm glad I wasn't on that it. one. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't well, finished it. There's a reason for that. Oh. God, yeah, I'll I'll watch it eventually. Probably, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's not it's not even the fact that was like I'm like a, a, a Peter Jackson Tolkien purist. I'm just you know it's a lot of shows. I'm still making yeah. my way through The Last of Us. I got a I got something coming out for that. But oh, there we go. Oh, Gene man. did an episode yeah, on that though. Show. Yeah, I love that show. Yeah, yeah a lot of show. a lot of a lot of people do. A lot of people do. Um, <laughs> go watch Gene's episode if you want oh, positive thoughts. Sure, yeah. Hang oh, back. Man, if, that, if, Diego's you, coming in with the the blazing hot so. takes soon. Episode three is very good. Yeah, and that's all. Diego everyone's have to right. Say. Everyone's right that it's a tearjerker and very sweet. Moving on. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know what favorite parts of, of the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Let's just uh, let's just get right into that. Then we can start winding down this subject. Hmm. I'll tell you uh, right now. I'll yeah. just I'll let you guys think for a second. Um, I've never, at least this year, I've not laughed harder in a theater than when Chris Pine started glitching out. Oh, yeah. It was just yeah, so unexpected. I was like, what the fuck am I watching? Mm-hmm. That is also the hardest I've laughed. Um, that that was incredibly funny. Yeah. Uh, same with the, when they're uh, um, bringing up the, the skeletons and stuff in the coffins. Oh, yeah. And waste was... all the questions, and it just becomes like the montage of them, like, like feeling. trying to figure out what happened to the fucking helmet and i was i i thought that felt very true to the game because it's like you give a very specific quest to the players and then they manage to fuck it up and you know then they're like all right well i'll just fucking cast it again and you're like okay yes technically you can do that <laughs> you know, like, yeah you really think you've got them and you're like and your five questions are there up they're like i cast the same spell again and you're like all yeah. right yep okay <laughs> yeah the bit with uh i guess like the bradley hooper cameo as like i forgot what kind of yeah like he was just the small guy i don't know if that's like a he's a, like a race and the the you know the game but like it's the fact like they keep uh you know it's like it's weird it's it's funny but then it's like weirdly sincere i guess for it michelle is... rodriguez's character yeah no you know what's fucked up he's really good in that one scene <laughs> There's yeah. an, the entire history of the character <laughs> relies on his performance. Yeah. And he's selling the shit out of it. Like, that was amazing. I was so caught off guard. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. where did that well, come the, from? The misdirect worked really well, too. You're like, you're going to go see her abusive ex-husband or something like that. And then he gets in and he's like, um, like making dinner. Like, yeah. it's just like a little, like, yeah. halfling or gnome or something. Mm-hmm. And then he's already with, like, another giant person. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. If the heart wants what the heart wants. You yeah, know? I guess so. Um, I I also liked everything with Hugh Grant. I thought he yeah. absolutely like killed it as the <laughs> yeah the yeah, diabolical baddie. Yeah, maybe need more Hugh Grant. Maybe less interviews with Hugh Grant because that's like all the no, interviews. No, no, I love him. I love him. You know why? 
He's fucking old. He's British and he's tired. Yeah. And and look, whatever. Fuck the British. But like he, those people don't put up with like the American like yeah. media stuff where it's like. Uh-huh. You know, there's rightful criticism of like film journalism really devolving a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it into just a branch of marketing, you know, and he's just like, I don't want to fucking do this. And so he will make it clear that he doesn't want to fucking do this. Yeah, I got to give it up to him. I'm sorry. I have to respect that. As long as he's not being like a douche to the people specifically, if he's just like making airs about it. I think, yeah, you know, he was fine. Yeah, just like the fact that he just like, yeah, it's like the stuff he was saying. It's just like funny. Well, I'm going to defend him even more because he made a Vanity Fair reference to a movie he was in and the interviewee on that red carpet assumed he was talking about Vanity Fair. Yeah. The the the, the production, the corporation. Yeah. And it was like <laughs> it was well, it was brutal. It was yeah. brutal to watch. What was the thing where he said in an interview he's like, you know, I wish I wish uh, we were less to like bit less like not like strict but he was like saying you know movie sets are different now it's so corporate we used to have like romances and adventures on our sets and it's just like okay grandpa no he said he, he said everyone's too sober or something and i was like that that's a little much i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna take the defense pedal off that one yeah but, uh... but it was just like it's such a like a weird like not weird but like such a, like a grandpa moment it's like okay he's like you know Back in my day or something. It was just so yeah, it was just random. I don't know. I haven't seen any of his interviews, so I really don't know what you're talking about, but I can and it's it's maybe funnier in my imagination. Yeah. You grant coming in full boomer energy. Yeah. <laughs> no, he is a great actor though. And I do yeah, like that he's clearly like he realizes fun. that he's peaked with Paddington too. Like mm-hmm. I'm not even saying that as a joke. He's amazing in that movie. Yeah. And he's like, I should just play a little a little shit bag and everything now. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little weasel and everything now. Mm-hmm. And he, in, he kills it. Yeah. It's good in love, actually. Yeah, he's great. He, he <laughs> well remember he was a romantic lead for a while. Yeah. Like he was one of the guys. And then he was oh. like, no, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a sneaky little guy. Yeah. All your moms in the two thousands loved him. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, he was great. Um, I'll, I'll just mention one last thing. This is kind of a general note on the movie too. It was like, I kind of liked how like rickety it all felt. Like at at times I felt like the, the wheel was going to come off like the narrative and like, Mm -hmm. it was going to devolve into like a mess. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean that like in a positive way where it's like, it's so clearly like a bunch of people just came together and like you could feel like the the joy people had making this movie, you know, it'd be a bummer if you found out like actually Diego, this set was a nightmare and everyone hates each other. But like to me, it felt like everyone had a lot of fun making it, and I felt it through the screen. And yeah. um, I don't know, I, I like movies that aren't completely clean and pristine all the time. Uh, like maybe John Wick Four is maybe uh-huh. an example I'll use of a movie that's perfectly clean and pristine. Um, and that's something people should also strive for. But this is the other end of that, where it's like, let's just try to make the, the best version of this uh, little weird idea that maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. And um, I think it worked wonderfully. I I really want to watch it again. It's been a very good year for movies that I thought I was going to hate. And then I ended up really loving. I didn't think I was going to hate this one, but I was like, I don't know, tugging up my collar. Yeah. And um, it was a blast. Yeah, I, I'm excited. Go watch it, everyone. Let's take your mom for Hugh Grant. For Hugh Grant, yeah. Do it for Hugh. <laughs> yeah, do it for yeah. you. What else you should do for your mothers is to go take them to see John Wick 4 because 
who doesn't love Keanu Reeves? Yeah. I don't know if moms like Keanu Reeves. My mom probably does. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Screw, who doesn't like him? Yeah. Screw what Zachary Levi said. It is a family movie. John Wick 4. <laughs> no, there's a. <laughs> I won't oh, no, say sorry. that, but I will say, and not to dunk on the guy, maybe he deserves <laughs> to be dunked on. I'm not mm. calling shots here, mm. but he made a mention that like John Wick 4 is not a date movie. It absolutely is a date movie. Yeah. These movies are sexy as hell. Mm-hmm. I if, sorry, I like the I think, first Shazam. I haven't seen the second one. That's not a date movie. No, that ain't sexy as hell. Yeah, I was gonna say John Wick is kind of romantic. It's a man that's great, you know what? Like uh, he loves his wife so much. Yeah, wife died. You it, know that. Uh, that I assume that the actress who plays his wife in those brief flashback cameos is still cashing the checks. That's yeah. got to be like the easiest, easiest <laughs> role of all time. She's like, yeah. okay, you just do some gold filters, and I kind of like laugh and sway and <laughs> do a little laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, yep. nailed it. John Bridget, Wick's love interest, Bridget yeah. Monaghan. Started... Yep, Bridget Monaghan. Yeah. yeah, good for her. Yeah, get, yeah. get, yeah. get take those... the bag, get the bag. Yeah, yeah. She she deserves it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a she community inspired joke. four movies of incredible violence. Yes, is is this the most incredible violence of the last decade? Yeah, like at least in Hollywood. In terms of like body count in in a single movie, probably. I don't think this is like the most gruesome one by by far. Yeah, I, fact, mean, I think uh, some of the other John Wick movies have like more brutal kills. Honestly, mm-hmm. I just think of the pencil in John Wick too. Like when oh, he finally yeah. pulls that pencil out. Like everyone in the theater knows about like what's about to happen, and everyone rightfully loses their goddamn mind. Um, before we talk about the full thoughts on John Wick Four, we're just going to go into full spoilers when we do. Uh, Michael, what's your history with the John Wick films? Did you revisit any in the lead up? Did you visit them for the first time in the lead up to John Wick Four? I actually uh, love the John Wick movies. Uh, I rewatched three before going into four, just because nice. I'd only seen three in theaters, um, and I remembered it being my least favorite. Uh, going like, and then I rewatched it before going into this one, and I was like, "Damn, actually, John Wick three is really good." It, yeah, I honestly appreciated it a lot better on a rewatch than when I first watched it in theaters. Um, but I remember like when the the very first John Wick came out, I had actually bought the DVD. I'd like pre-ordered the DVD as a gag gift for my buddy Aaron because I'd seen the trailer for it and thought it was going to be really stupid because the trailer <laughs> was just like him being like, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back, which now is an iconic line. But when I yeah. first saw it in a trailer, I was like, oh my God, Keanu looks like dog shit. This is also shortly after, um, what's that? The samurai movie he made that 47, was, oh, 47 Ronin? Ronin, yeah. Yes. Oh god, that's it yeah. was shortly after 47 Ronin, so I was like, oh, Keanu is just really uh it's really it's really all unraveling. And then we watched the pre-order DVD when it came in. We all like we, we got everybody together to kind of like do like a hate watch, and then we were like, Holy shit, this is awesome. <laughs> this is an incredible movie. <laughs> so we all left that evening as uh, big new John Wick fans, and then we've I've just been following it ever since then yeah um but yeah three three on the rewatch before going into four i was like damn parabellum very good 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've come around to that one as well because I think I, I wouldn't say I did, disliked it when it came out, but I felt like there was some uh, criticism I had of it. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot better. Yeah, yeah. I'm very much on the uh, everyone's wrong about chapter three. That one's great. Uh, I don't think it's the best one, but like I, I do remember a lot of criticism about that one because they're like nothing changes the whole movie, and I do. I've had this conversation with Gene. Like uh, I think that's the point of the movie. Yeah. Like, which doesn't mean it's more interesting. It's just like, you know, if you could meet the movie on its own terms, you still don't have to like it, which is perfectly fine. But it's like he he can't break from the cycle, which is why John Wick 4 opens up with him killing the elder, the guy you took half a movie to see last time, where he's like, yeah. no, nah, fuck this. We're just going to burn this shit down, right? Yeah. Um. So, no, like, they... if you're not on board with that thesis for the third film, I get that being, like, a problem. You yeah. know, but that one also might have like the sickest shit I've ever seen in a movie. Like when he's fighting people on a horse and they're on motorcycles, like I've that never seen cool. that before. And then he, mm-hmm. well, they, they take this from a movie called The Villainous, which is very good. Uh, John Wick 3 does it better because it's John Wick. Um, but mm-hmm. the motorcycle fight with the katanas and stuff, like it's the sickest shit. It's just, it's the best. Um, I did watch all of them. In the lead up to four again uh, i love this franchise i think it is far and away the best ongoing action franchise and i love many of them that are ongoing um but like this is the one that's most fulfilling to me by like a significant margin uh i heard john wick four is supposed to be like this epic masterpiece this like this high mark of the action genre so i was like i'm gonna keep my expectations in check i'm gonna do my best and i didn't but it didn't matter because I love John Wick Chapter 4 so much with all my heart. Um, I'm going to fight everyone who's like, it's not as good. And now I'm going to I'm gonna burn everyone to the ground. I'm going to go on my John Wick revenge, fighting oh the God. haters and the critics. Because it's the greatest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, that's probably not true, but I'm riding a high. I saw it twice in one weekend. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how to get into the rest of it. Um, what, what were your guys' thoughts on John Wick 4? Oh, I, I loved it. I was just like really like I, I think I went in like it was right before I went to a WonderCon the Thursday before. And it was like I think I was uh hanging out with someone and I'm like, oh the only time I could see this is at eleven thirty. But I have to like wake up tomorrow and do something. I'm like, all right, doing it for John Wick. So I saw it in IMAX and it was just like oh, it was just incredible. I'm like just like I think uh the scene where they don't reference it like just as a homage, like one little quick reference, but like the scene, the whole sequence where they just reference the warriors and it just becomes the warriors for a scene, like a whole montage. I'm like, yes, they start playing uh, the song Nowhere to Run. They copy like the the DJ from the film and then they have like all the assassins going after John so he can't get to the steps. I'm like, oh, this that was like, I'm like this is this is incredible. Well, not not to suck this movie's dick even harder, but you just mentioned like you know that's oh yeah that one scene, mm-hmm. that's like the last that's like 45, 30 to forty five minutes of the last hour of the movie, yeah. and it does not feel like it. No, like it the doesn't. fact that you're like yeah you know that one part it's like no it's a lot, but it feels like it's just one part. Yeah, there's like yeah. just so many sequences in that movie. Where I'm like this is like a movie in itself. It's like a masterpiece. Like. It becomes a video game like they do that overhead Grand Theft Auto sequence, which I I think someone you or someone was telling me it wasn't even shot with like a crane. It was like this weird 
rig mechanism that they had. Yeah, it was like some oh. string mechanism. Uh, Chad Stahelski talked about. It. If you're curious, just look up Chad Stahelski overhead shot. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna get articles on it. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's just like the opening shot of the movie, just like homages Lawrence of Arabia. Like what yeah. the hell? I'm like, well, because oh, that's, that's that's what these movies are. I think that's why yeah. they're they're a cut above. It's like. Mm-hmm. It's not just like let's look as cool as possible. Like it kind of is that. Yeah. But it's also like there's a point. These, to are, it, yeah. these are clearly people that are like students of like all cinema. Yep. You know. Yeah. I mean, the second movie ends with like the sequence straight out of Lady from Shanghai. You know what I mean? Like these are like true students of like yeah. all movies. So of course there's a Lawrence of Arabia bit yeah. in the opening. <laughs> that was good. And yeah, I just loved it. I think Keanu was great. Just the fact that the movie is like basically the good the bad and the ugly both john wick donnie yen and then oh, darn i'm forgetting his name the actor escapes me who is good as mr nobody yeah i'm gonna pull incredible. it up but keep going because i yeah. want to shout him out too and it was just like every action scene was just like a masterpiece and yeah i just loved it um also too like donnie yen on another level just incredible as a blind assassin you know just love like all his little bits or just the fact, like, he don't like, what is it, when he's in Japan, he's just, like, eating the noodles. He didn't want to do his job. <laughs> and they're just like, hey, are you going to, like, kill someone? It's like, all right. Yeah, it was it was good. And I, I hope, if this is a finale, I hope I hope it stays that way, maybe. We'll get into that later. But, yeah, I'm like, this is, like, Yeah, well, we'll way. hold on to that conversation for the end. Uh, Shamir yeah. Anderson is the name of Mr. Nobody oh, okay. in this movie. Yeah, that he's- dude. He stands along the side, the shoulders of legends in this movie, and he holds yeah. his own. That is talent, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Michael, I mean, as this for guest, me, that was he was he was the highlight of the movie. I thought his character was like the most fun and the most interesting addition to the the cast. Although, also the guy running the um, the Osaka Continental. Oh yeah. Or um, was it Osaka? Yeah, the, yeah, the Japanese. Osaka. You know, Jap- uh, the Japanese Continental was mm-hmm. fucking sick, and that that main character too. He was he was a really compelling um, character because I I think when these movies really shine is when um, you get these little hints. It's like the hints of the wider world. Obviously, you get to see the wider world as as like the franchise has gone on. You see more and more of this very like established assassin world and like all the stuff going on there. But like the hints of John Wick's backstory when you're you see these characters who have an established history that we never have to see to know that like this dude is willing to die because he's so convinced that you know honoring his friendship with John Wick is more important than you know his own life is like it's like damn I don't know what their past is but I don't have to know similar to what you were saying about fantasy earlier it's like they throw out some buzzwords and you're like I get that there's a history here and I get that, um, like this this world is impactful beyond what I will ever know just watching it, and that gives it its own weight and depth. But I guess John Wick's a bit of a fantasy movie too in that in that regard. Yeah, yeah, it's very much like an attempt at making modern myth. You know, I feel like everyone's trying to find what is that for this this era of like culture and stuff like that. And I think John Wick is the maybe the cleanest way of tapping through to it you know because like there's characters named like Ares and shit like it's very clear like they're pulling from like <laughs> or pantheons and stuff like yeah. that and, yeah like th- it's not subtle it's not trying to be it's yeah. just like Let you know and, it, and it's a world alongside our own you know it's not our world but like you know we have all these sequences and other well even in this one like in the the arc day triumph sequence right and the cars are going around they're not stopping oh, it's just incredible. like 
Yeah, I mean, it's oh, just a fucking uh, so cool. <laughs> like, like realistically, if this was like a, like a Die Hard or something, like one of the early Die Hard movies, like traffic stops, the shootout happens, uh, the cars all stop, and then they work their way around parked cars. They just keep going here. It doesn't matter. The rest of the world revolves like beyond it, through it. Like it doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter in a way. But there's also like these weird subcultures. There's all these like this cultish mentality mm-hmm. to all these like assassin organizations and they're sort of like they're running their own kingdoms and stuff and yeah. it's like oh it's so good it's it's so wonderfully designed from top to bottom that's a big credit to uh, director Chad Stahelski mm-hmm. who um who basically built this franchise from the ground up alongside uh the original original writer uh Derek Kolstad who didn't mm-hmm. write this movie yeah. Um, so if some people note that it feels a little different, it's probably because of that. Um, yeah, I was, but I was I, reading. Yeah. Oh, I was reading some of the troubles Chad uh, had making that first movie. Like he paid for some of the stuff personally. Uh, they were having trouble with like financing. And that's, uh, you know, it almost got distributed on VOD. I'm like, that's crazy. That we could, yeah, that it had such a hard time being made. And now look at it. Yeah, and probably because that trailer I saw where he just oh. said, "I'm thinking I'm back," and everybody's like, "Nah, I'm not gonna <laughs> see it." Yeah, and, and each they needed movie, some Zeppelin in there. Yeah, maybe that's maybe. it. Honestly, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. The the evolution of the franchise is is like genuinely absurd. Like it is the definitive action franchise right now. Like everyone wants to do John Wick, right? Like. I, I think uh, this this is this isn't like a secret or something like that. I think um, the movie Nobody. Um, oh yeah, uh, Bob Odenkirk was like, I want I want my John Wick. I want Dad, forty yeah. year old John Wick. Yeah, he's like, I want that, you know. And that's like not a bad angle to have. It's just like it just goes to show the power of this franchise. It's like, who doesn't want this, you know? Yeah. And, but maybe people should also reconsider that like Keanu's got like a legacy. This isn't just like. A normal actor like everything had to kind of come together from like the creative team to the lead actor to the writer to the directors uh because there were two in the first one remember uh chad stahelski and david leach david leach mm-hmm. has gone on to have his own successful career yeah. um bullet train good no but he's successful <laughs> no, uh like chad bullet stahelski train. is is a cut above though okay. I, I think chad stahelski like even watching this movie he's a dude i kind of want to see do everything now yeah where I'm like, who do you I want, want for the next I Star Wars? Him, I want him. Eight. Well, I want specifically. I want his Ghosts of Tsushima movie. Like that video game's great. I need that. I mean, you know, clearly, know. like some samurai shit. That yeah, I feel like he would eat any, that shit up. Any samurai. Diego's like Diego's not on it, but uh, I haven't played the game. I I, I didn't. Uh, I I wasn't mm-hmm. super interested in it. I've heard it's great, but you know, I like, remember when it was coming out. I was like, yeah, it looks pretty. I don't. I'm not really. It's a good interested. game. Michael's played it. I actually haven't. Oh, but, okay. uh Michael knows Greg, people that played. Greg it. played it, yeah. Greg <laughs> played it, and I watched. And I saw some some stealthy badass samurai takedowns, like longbows and shit. I was like, yeah, this looks hard, and so I'm not gonna play it. But I will enjoy watching somebody else play it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Do we have like uh big thoughts about this movie? Stuff we want to hype up or or criticize? I was making. Uh, a long-winded rant about how I want to destroy all enemies of this movie. Uh-huh. That's not true. Um, at least for most of you out there. 
We'll see. Then you you uh, must destroy me. Yeah, uh, I know. Because... I didn't want to. I didn't want to destroy you too hard. But yeah. Well, so um, yeah. My uh, my blazing hot take. Once Olive stops speaking oh. over here, no, I think it's Oliver, fine. Oliver's disagreeing with you. No, Olive's actually uh, cheering me on. He agrees. <laughs> he agrees with me. He was barking at Diego um, for for his his threats against my life. That's a no, good no. He right he, he loves me. He always runs up to me when I see you guys. Uh, he <laughs> loves true. uh he loves grizzly bear documentaries too. <laughs> that he does. Yeah. Um. But I uh. So hey, first off, I definitely enjoyed this, and it was a lot of fun uh to go see it in the theaters and and. You know, there's a very real possibility because I left Parabellum being like, this is the weakest one yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and part of it is, at least for me, Parabellum felt really long in the theater. Like they get to yep. the desert and it's just like, I feel like the pacing just takes a huge slump. It's like all the stuff. And honestly, for me, this one had almost the opposite problem where it was so like, I, I felt like some of the, the action scenes really dragged for me, which is like, basically the opposite of what you were saying about the staircase scene and all that stuff. It's like for those, I, I just feel like they, they were exhaustively violent or like high paced to the point where it lost, it lost its impact for me because it was just so go. So all the time that it didn't have the same sort of like ebb and flow that some of the other movies had. Um, I guess mm-hmm. for context, number two is my favorite. Cause I think two is just, two is just a, a masterpiece um, yes yes I, I thought this one like kind of like i don't know i felt like this one maybe did the least for me in terms of like expanding the world um and certainly it did the least for me in terms of john wick's characters um characterization and i'm sure you guys have seen all the articles where it's like oh yeah he only spoke like this many words in the entire yeah. movie and he slashed he like cut out half his dialogue in the movie and and everybody's praising him for that and saying like wow he you know what a what a bold choice and i'm like a bold and correct are not the same thing yeah. it was a bold choice and sure he says a lot of yeahs and like that's a fun article to read and be like wow 300 words whatever <laughs> but i don't i don't think that that necessarily made the movie better because i think yeah. one of the cool things about the other movies is you are seeing this like he's a terse assassin he's got this troubled backstory he's the bobby yaga all this shit but it's like he's also a person, and I feel like in, in this one he became, and maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is in this one he is like he's further dehumanizing and just become an agent of death and is like he will wipe out everything in his quest for peace. There's some good dialogue about that in the movie. Uh, like how many people is he going to kill to get his to get his peace? Um, all, he's like all of them. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I will kill France. <laughs> France yeah. will not have any men left by the time I'm done here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, uh, I feel like in this one, the, the supporting characters were really what held the movie up. Um, Mister Nobody. Um, oh fuck, who's uh the guy running the Continental? Oh, uh, uh, the actor's name is uh, Hiroyuki Sanada, he, and he is like another martial arts legend. Like this movie's mm-hmm. stacked with or, like or living legends. Ian McShane's character. I meant Ian McShane. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I, I thought okay. we Winston. continued to be a very Winston. Winston that's it. Yeah. Um, obviously, uh, Jaron being killed untimely at the yeah. very beginning was a tragic because him, him, and Winston have always been like a huge part of the John Wick franchise. For like mm-hmm. what I love about it is like 
their relationship, their relationship with John Wick, their relationship outside of John Wick, um, like all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. R.I.P. Lance Reddick, too. Great actor. Yeah. Yeah. Very sad. Very untimely. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, what after his passing, then like all these wonderful stories start coming out mm-hmm. about him, about what a great guy he was to work with. And like, I remember the the Resident Evil show he did, uh, which I didn't have maybe yeah. positive things to say about. Um, he, when it was canceled, he went on Twitter by himself and just shouted out the production team, the people that got the show in his words. And like, he just top to bottom was like praising everyone he worked with. And that was a show that did not make a big impact, but he took the time to credit everyone and very like production levels of that show. And I was like, that that's a class act right there. That's a genuine tragedy. He's no longer with us. Yeah, I know he's getting everything. I was, uh, he came to a lot of, uh, content, I guess for the, when it was in G4. Yeah. He came into the office and he was like, I never talked to him personally, but he, he, the way he was around people, you could just tell he was like incredibly nice. So say that about Lance. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, a, it's, it's a real shame. And like, obviously, like they didn't plan for the fictional character death to yeah, like to make it easier for the rest of the film uh, with his passing or something like that. But uh, I, for the film, once his character was killed in the Blade Runner-esque like <laughs> office area, yeah, um, which the design in this movie is wow oh, um, yeah. top to bottom but uh once he got killed i was like oh shit is are they gonna do it are they gonna like end the series here and i do think that's the intention i don't think they intend to do another one um i'll pull up an article as, as you guys continue to talk but i'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure chad stahelski was and keanu reeves want this to be the last one yeah I, so your, your ghost of tsushima thing gene like regardless of whether or not i want that movie I want Chad Stahelski to do whatever. Do something else, yeah. He seems to be having a problem making other things. And I do buy into the reading of these films that, you know, everyone's telling John Wick. He's only John Wick. He can only be John Wick. I think that's Chad Stahelski telling people, let me out. (laughs) (laughs) People only want me to make John Wick movies. Let me out. (laughs) Also, too, yeah, let the character rest. Because it's like, uh, I guess, like, kind of going towards the ending. Like, I thought that was, like, a really, like good ending for john like he got his freedom uh just also too like the duel between him and kane like it just becomes like a this like barry linden uh like with like pistol like 20th or like, yeah like 19th century pistols um then it's like this like uh good the bad and the ugly like standoff from like a western and he gets like he gets his revenge but you know he also tragically gets wounded beyond like uh you know anyone could like help him out and like he just dies on the steps but he's like finally free and he takes off like you know his guns and like everything that like made him a killer and he's just thinking about his wife before he passes i'm like you know there's something poetic about that i think and a good way to end the character too he finally like found some sort of peace i think right yeah so it does it, it raises some questions like if if all he wanted to do was to die to be at peace, like, you know, I feel like there's there's other ways he could have done that without just you know murdering murdering yeah. friends. But yeah, you know, I, I don't know. That's a. Uh, it depends on like, I guess, I guess if we don't see the repercussions of what this does to the uh, the wizarding world of assassins, if you will, <laughs> yeah. um, like not being able to see what the repercussions are does 
like I guess we won't really know what his what John Wick's impact was or whether anything in the system changes, whether like whether he's only bought freedom for him like for himself or whether future assassins who would like to like lay down like say Kane or somebody who wants to like be able to like put this life behind them just like John Wick did. It's like you think the the top brass, whoever's left of the top brass is gonna be like, yeah. hey maybe when they want to retire we should just like let them retire from now on because yeah. Uh, otherwise they're going to go on a, a murderous four movie rampage and destroy everything in their path yeah i and you know i, I don't know i thought that was uh cool too well, again like maybe we won't see it until like a future sequel but like basically it's john's rebellion against the high table like i guess like you know his like war against uh the hierarchy of like that whole system tears it down you know i thought that was like I don't know some they're saying something with that i guess you know mm-hmm. well I, I think the like the direction this franchise took is just like not just showing like how hard it is to like leave this life behind i think um even without this uh this, this weird structure these institutions hanging over john like the preamble to this in the first movie right like after they kill his dog like the joke is like he does he does all these movies because he kills people who killed his dog but it's like you have to go back to the question of the first movie. Like, is he doing it because they killed his dog? Is it doing it because he had an attachment to the dog because it's the last thing his wife gave him? Or is it an excuse for him to find a comfort zone in the killing again? The very thing he left behind is what he knows. He doesn't yeah. know how to be how to have a normal life without his wife. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have that like in the setup there. So it's up to the end of this, where you know, again, this is all spoiler discussion. Go watch John Wick 4. Yeah. Um, because you should. Uh, but you know, John Wick dies he's shot and and dies um if you hand if you like kind of hang these metaphors over this like this modern mythos like i was calling it um i was having this conversation with gene too like is it john dying like is it just straight up like what we see like the character dead or is it like you know more metaphorical like the the character of john wick the the shell of the person he used to be before his wife is that dead and now he can live as John, you know? Cause they're, they clearly do want a sequel to this cause it's yeah, making like absurd amounts of money. Um, but there's also like, you know, enough open-endedness where you could retroactively retrofit John, like living in hiding or something like that, you know, and truly leaving this life behind because John Wick is dead, but John, the man who he was, or he could be, is now out there somewhere living a peaceful life for the rest of his days never raising a gun again and whether or not there's a sequel i that's what i want to read into it you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah like i'm sure there's other readings of it out there or just straight up the director chats to house he can tell me like no you fucking idiot like he's just dead and i'm yeah. like all right it's fine yeah that's totally well, fine too yeah well he tells winston like take my body back or something right he says uh can you take me home yeah yeah and it's like i i do like that read to it but my counterpoint would be why why would John Wick if if John Wick the persona is who died why would John Wick be the one to get you know loving husband on the yeah because to me it would be like John was the loving husband John Wick is this angel of death the Baba Yaga all that shit yeah that's that's my only my only qualms with that theory I do I think Lionsgate's gonna squeeze John Wick five in there yes especially because when I looked up somebody on IMDb I saw them already credited for John Wick five yeah. so I don't know if that's true or not but maybe it's a prequel yeah uh, I don't <laughs> well they're already think... doing like a prequel I guess with the continental but I guess maybe like a how he became 
the boogeyman yeah they're doing the continental they're doing ballerina Ballerina, john wick is in so we don't know if that's a prequel Uh, oh no that's that's they said it before that movie is set the ballerina is set between three and four okay yeah that's that's what has been stated so okay didn't see any of that but that's good good to know um on a darmas yeah oh yeah people she's gonna be great She's yeah. gonna be great. Um, and then Rina Sawayama, who just had her break, her first role is in this movie. Yeah, that's crazy. What the what the fuck? Yeah, Where so did she come from? She's so good. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, she kills it. She's probably gonna get a spinoff because the the post credits tease thing. Um, I I didn't need that, you know. Right. Um, but I'm not like against it, and I do want to see those characters again. You mm-hmm. know. Um, I think of another really popular action movie, No Time to Die, the last Craig Bond, yeah. where everyone was like. Oh, that character have a spinoff. That character have a spinoff. And the Bond producers are like, we're never yeah. doing spinoffs. Yeah. And part it, of me is like, that's, that's good. But I'm also like, those characters are so cool. You could totally, these, yeah. just do these. But I, I respect that. So now we're yeah. getting that with these movies. You know, it's like you have the cool characters you can spin off into other action movies. Um, yeah. Like, who, but who wants like an odd job spinoff or like a. No, 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 no. Yeah. I don't felt. want that. Yeah. No, literally just No Time to Die introduced okay. the Ana de Armas character. Yeah. And uh, the new 007, and I was like, I kind of want to see those two team up. Yeah, and, sure. But, you know, I don't need yeah. that. It was just, that's how much I like. I was drawn to that movie and those characters. Um, and this one, like, you know, like, the benefit, like Michael was saying, too, is like the John Wick, uh, the supporting characters are so interesting, and they're so diverse, and it's like, they don't have to just be variations of John Wick movies that we've seen before. You know, like, you can do basically anything as long as you tap into, like, that modern mythology, um, the Western film influence, uh, you know, you called your shot with the Lawrence of Arabia homage mm-hmm. already. Like, got I need people to start diving deeper. I need some Andre Tarkovsky references oh, in Ballerina. Geez. You know what I mean? Yeah. I need some Stan Brackage to appear in the Rina Sawayama spinoff. I want, I want people to go deeper. I want stuff that's going to put off the main audience. And I'm just going to be cheering in the theater as I see some experimental action yeah. shit, you know, uh, all the Lionsgate executives give you a big thumbs down for that one and say, no, we want our hundreds of millions of dollars of box office release. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're, they're never going to let me near the theater even it's like, no, you don't even get to see this after that comment. You just, <laughs> just go home. You're done. You're done. I saw oh. something. I don't, I don't know that this will happen, but, what I think would be a huge victory uh, is if Keanu is able to get Constantine two out of this. I he saw is, something yeah, recently is. that oh, is, that, is that confirmed that it's he's conf- got it. He's I think it's confirmed. Yeah, it's they... it's it's confirmed, quote unquote, green light. But it's like there's nothing set yet. They're just like, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, you know, to me, that that's enough. It's gonna happen to have hope, but mm-hmm. it does not give me confidence this will come out. But yeah, even the fact that that franchise might get a second shot and there might be a, a Constantine two with Keanu is uh, I'm all here for it. Cause that yeah. is a, that's like one of my favorite movies with him. Yeah. It's, it's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I like okay. I'm glad we're all pro Constantine on this podcast. That's a very cool movie, you know? Yeah. Underrated, underrated for yeah. sure. It is. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I think yeah. it's my favorite Francis Lawrence movie even, you know? Mm-hmm. And I like him as a director, but I, I yeah. think he's, he started uh, quite strong. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, let's start wrapping it up. 
Um, favorite sequences, uh, favorite kill, either or. Um, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Gene. I could go favorite kill because it's like, it felt like a good character moment where um, the dog's like about to be shot by that henchman. And like, instead of like shooting Mr. Nobody, he shoots the guy that's going to kill the dog because it's like kind of brings it full circle. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, uh, John Wick was like, don't mess with dogs. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was cool. And then too, dogs are great. Um, and then, yeah, I think like favorite sequence, it's, I don't know. I, I think it's like when they're in the, the bridge the roundabout and it's like cut to that one song i think it's called like pain or, or pain or glory or something and it's just like you know john's just like shooting people in the middle of like traffic and it's just like edited to that music so well and it's like so exciting and all the elements are coming together so i go with that one yeah um i don't know i think if i had a favorite kill See, that, that, that gets back to my complaint with this movie. It's like, I could tell you my favorite kill in all the other John Wick movies, and I don't know about this one. Um, I'll, I'll just do favorite sequence. I, I liked all the stuff in uh, in Japan in the beginning. The yeah. When when um, he, he, he tells all his crew, like, we have visitors coming. Let's show them our hospitality. And then it just cuts to, like, them all, like, grabbing their katanas and shit off the walls. I was like... Oh, some good old-fashioned hospitality and yeah. like, this is gonna be sick. so that that entire the ambush as like you, the reveal that there's all the archers up on the balcony like that whole that whole setup and then uh donnie yen just going off um was a fucking sick way to kick off the like the meat and potatoes of the movie yeah yeah i i think uh my favorite kill it's just a really quick flashback or uh flyby one with the overhead shot and he's got the dragon breath shotgun uh he shoots one guy and then he's like still like screaming and shit he's not dead so he takes out the room and then goes back and takes out the guy that's still moving and i was just like this is so fucked up why is this so cool like you know i have very strong opinions about guns in the real world but in movies in movies yeah they're the coolest thing ever you know yeah where it's not real and it you know yeah. it can't like and, affect people you know yeah and i think that's also why I like I, I much prefer the John Wick movies when they moved into this fantastical realm. Not the first movie I have any negative feelings about. I obviously love it, um, but it's like just enough to be like it's it's reality, but also not. Job by John Wick two, it's like not reality, um, which I love. You know, it's like it's a completely fantastical realm where like violence is law. You know. <laughs> Um, it's like this close to like anarchy if any of these wheels start falling off, which is kind of the vibe I got from the greater world in John Wick 4, where it's like, this isn't really working out anymore. Like, uh, we don't see the, the full scale of that. It's always like, um, the perspective's always on John Wick, but that's the the vibe I got of the world from this one. Maybe I'm reading too much into that, but yeah, um, I really like that stuff. Uh, I want to shout out also Scott Adkins for the uh, director yeah. video heads. Scott Adkins as Killa in a yeah. fat suit you know uh i and many others have mixed feelings about the usage of fat suits in movies um i think here i will defend it if only because i think it's also an important character thing to show like this is like a man who's like so clearly greedy and like not just physically gluttonous but he's like he's gonna try to like like feast on everything around him you know he's like he's He's playing with his food when he's doing the card game. Like, he's going to fuck all these people over. 
but he's making them play his game because he just likes having all the power, you know. Um, and I also like that you think he's gonna be like a coward, and then no, he's like fucking clotheslining John yeah. Wick, kicking him over he balconies, him, like fucking clotheslines him. Yeah, look crazy. up John Wick, uh, uh, Scott Adkins on Letterboxd. Um, click, uh, check out of uh, a Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning, which is a very nihilistic movie, but he goes hard in. Um, the the Boyka trilogy from the Undisputed franchise. Uh, what else? What else? Um, fuck, there's so many. Uh, Scott Atkins is a great martial artist. Even if some of the directed video movies have kind of like a a stink on them, he never gives less than a truly kick ass action hero performance. Um, I hope this opens a door to people who are interested in martial arts to check out his work because really underappreciated guy he's a guy who like if he was 10 years early in the industry i think we'd recognize him alongside the likes of like van damme and stuff yeah. like that you know like he's I'm, I'm glad he's had his time to shine it's been really cool to see him get interviewed in like good morning america and stuff where it's like i remember when i saw your early stuff and now you're here oh ninja 2 also ninja 2 i think is a big fan favorite of his go go yes. go watch that one everyone yeah um yeah, I guess. Uh, any final thoughts on John Wick Four? I'm looking forward to uh, rewatching it at yeah. home because I'm I like like I said I left three from the theater being like this was good, a little exhausting, uh, felt long to me. And then when I rewatched it in prep for four, I was like, damn, three was really really great. So I hope that after a rewatch of four on my couch with my TV you get a text from me, Diego, and it's me just saying, I was wrong about John Wick 4. This <laughs> is this is every bit as as awesome as, as you and Gene said it was, and I, on, on further review, also absolutely love it. Cool. I respect that. I hope that too, also. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would agree with Michael that, or I would add to that statement, I can't wait to like marathon all these movies uh, from like one to four. That'd be a great experience. Like Lord yeah. of the Rings, both action. Yeah, I mean, hey, Lord of the Rings has some fucking epic ass action, but I, I know what you mean. Like, yeah. um, these are these are straight action movies, especially three and four, where it just like never stops. Or yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and yeah, like at the very least, like even if people aren't into these movies, it's like, when have we seen action this like clean on this budget with this much talent? You know, like. I truly do not understand anyone who says these are terrible movies. And I, I don't think I've seen many people, not anyone I know anyways, who's said like, these are terrible. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, like what a gift these movies are. And uh, at the very least, it's going to make people have to step up their game. We've seen the quality bar now. Now this is going to set it for the next decade at least. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, like you said, Gina marathon, like imagine watching these for a whole day. Like I, I would be like dead. It's like, like 10 hours my body would give hours. out no yeah. it would it would be like 13 hours 13 right because yeah this last one's yeah. almost three hours, three hours third one's like two and a half second yeah. one's a little over two hours like it's a lot of time um yeah i'll have to make a day of that and just like yeah. my body will give out but until that day comes uh michael thank you so much for joining us it's always great to talk to you uh, can people find you online anywhere should we look forward to any stuff you're working on Got to drop the Twitter handle. <laughs> Any stuff I'm working on? Uh, probably not. That's all under NDA. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, find me on Twitter at NSA Propaganda, all caps, <laughs> no spaces. 
I really oh, just man. wanted to hear you say that on here. I wasn't sure if you would, but yeah. I just oh, hundred percent. Yeah, the, the Twitter is public. Yeah, um, your yes. handle. It's mostly just metal recommendations. Yeah, big metalhead. But I also sometimes retweet other people's funny stuff. So you know, you're really getting the the, the full Twitter experience. Some good leftist politics. What can I say? Hell yeah. Uh, we, it's, we only it's invite whole... leftists onto the show, so thank you for that. Hey, excellent. Good. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's my only real pitch. Hopefully, I've got some more uh, some more film sort of projects or good screenplays coming soon. But yeah. uh, until I've got some things more concretely wrapped up, that's all I got to pitch. Yeah, well, you're a very talented writer and you're a very good friend. So thank you so much for joining us. Like, really, thank it, you it's... for having me. This was a blast. Yeah, we're going to have to talk like this in real life again soon because I haven't seen you in a minute in person. But uh, yeah, that's we're, true. We're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. And Diego, I dare say we can we can bring you into a D and D group at some point oh, if you if you, you truly if you truly want this if you want to be a paladin, we can make it happen. Okay, and you I, can both be paladins. Oh, and, thanks. Uh, we'll have an an imbalanced party, and uh-huh. I'll just make sure to throw some good traps that. Uh, you cannot find with your heavy armor. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna swap out and paladin. I'll become something else. I'll become something more. I'll become like John Wick, yeah, but in in Dungeons and Dragons. But that won't be that OP day, at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> until yeah. that day, Gene uh, plugs. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Gene nine eight nine two, and uh, yeah, nothing really to promote. Uh, I guess just wish me a safe travel to Star Wars Celebration next week in London. So. Yeah, yeah. We'll absolutely do that. Hey, Thanks. safe travels, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, really safe travels. Um, oh, get me a, one of those badges. Uh, if you want. Or like a poster of, of like the, the badge. I'll, I'll send you more information. I'm, yeah, a big yeah. fan of, I'm a big fan of the artist that did the badges for Star Celebration this year. So I need a poster or something. I'll Venmo you. Uh, you can find me at the Diego Press Bro. Check out the Waffle Press on Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Patreon. Where can you get early access to anything right now? You actually might. Yeah, you, I think a retrospective is going to be on there the time this goes up. And um, uh, Ted Lasso's back, so I'm, I'm just going to do a full series thing when that's cool. over, too. Uh, and, See. yeah, look forward to my thoughts on The Last of Us. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for watching. Like and subscribe. If you didn't like this, like and subscribe anyways, because you might find something you do like. All right, everyone, take care. We have been professionally unprofessional. <laughs>